Welcome to Mind, Body, and Beyond. Health and wellness expert Dr. Matt Chalmers, a chiropractor based in Dallas, Texas, specializes in helping men and women improve their hormone balance, gut health, weight management, and other aspects of all over wellness. He's the author of the best selling book, Pillars of Wellness Achieve and Uphold Holistic Health, Vitality, and Longevity. I'm so thrilled to talk to you today. You do so many things. Um, and in your book, Pillars of Wellness, you approach health in four distinct pillars. You say psychological, biochemical, biomechanical, and spiritual. Tell us more what you mean by those. When we, total, when we try to look at the body as a holistic unit, uh, there's very specific pieces that we have to understand the way the body moves, which is the biomechanical piece. You know, if we sit for a long period of time, what does that do to the body? And if it does bad things, how do we fix that? And then obviously biochemical, what we eat, the fuel sources we need, the supplementation, the medications that we need to balance everything from hormones to energy to, you know, all the biochemical processes in the body and to detox all that stuff out. And then the psychological, the, how we stay focused on positive uh, function, how we move forward when bad things come or when the day just gets kind of monotonous, how do we keep our psychological focus, our mental focus, moving us into the direction we need to go. And the spiritual piece is, is more of a, not so much a religious piece, but a, how do we interact with those around us? Uh, relationship pieces. How do we make sure that we've created a legacy for ourselves? So for instance, myself, I want to make sure that when I die, I've been a net positive for the world. I've done more good than bad so that I've, I've left the world better than where I came at. And so those are the things that we're trying to push forward. And I've had lots of people who've had everything else perfect, but one of those pieces off and they can tell, they can tell something's not right with their life until they understand and address those pillars. And then after that, the entire person, their whole being starts moving in the proper direction. Oh, I see. You're right. When we're in the thick of it ourselves, it's kind of a challenge to see our lives in these discrete aspects like that. And so it sounds like you help people define that. Yes, very often. And it's it's always funny because when I when I start with people, almost always we have to start with the biomechanical, the biochemical. They're, they sit too much or they have repetitive motions that they do in their life that they have to then balance or eradicate. And then they have parasitic infections. They haven't been cleaning their livers, their kidneys. They haven't, you know, their guts messed up too much yeast, not enough probiotic. So we have to get that back together. You know, hormone function, we've got to reset all that. And you can get that done in six months. Once that's been done, then we have to start looking at all the other pieces like we talked about it, you know, because the rest of it, the, you know, balancing your mind is a lifelong journey. And then filling in the need to help others is also a lifelong journey. So, you know, it, it is kind of fun to get to work with people and walk them through the entire piece. Yeah. You do talk about what you call the foundation of personal responsibility. There's, there's a certain point, and I, I work with this with everybody. I can tell you, you should quit smoking. I can't force you to quit smoking and I won't. I can't force you to take your supplementations or go to the gym or do these things. None of those things can anyone force you to do. You have to take the personal responsibility to say, you know what? I want to be better. I don't want to be the same person tomorrow I am today. 
And so that's when you have to decide for yourself, you're going to start moving forward. That's where we start to take personal responsibility. And that's where real change starts to come from. And so that's why I tell people, you have to recognize the personal responsibility aspect of this, or else you're never going to get where you really want to go. Yeah. And when you think about how many chronic conditions uh, can be traced to lifestyle choices, you know, every, every bite you eat, I, I'm a type two diabetic. So I'm unfortunately aware of this every single day. And you, you are making these choices every day and you know, it's not easy for everybody. (laughs) Hmm. It's not, but one of the things I always tell people is we can tie that into the psychological aspect. Understand what you're doing, understand the choices you make and recognize your wins every day. When you decided that you wanted to have the two cookies, but you, that you didn't, that's a win for the day. Like you could have done all sorts of other things, but if that's your weakness, if that's the thing that calls to you all day long, it's not alcohol, it's not drugs, it's sugar. If that thing calls to you and you are able to fight it off for the day, if you recognize that win, I didn't have the cookie, I didn't have the sugar, I didn't do these things, and you recognize that win, you can start to build a better you just by understanding I'm stronger today than I was yesterday. And that piece of the psychological, even though people go, no, that's biochemical. No, 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 no. The choice you made not to eat it, that's entirely psychological. That's why they're so important. They're so tied together. It's a little spiritual too. It can be. Yes, absolutely. Tell me how you got into this field. I understand you were a high school athlete. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because my whole family has been engineers and I wanted to be a medical doctor which is, you know, almost the same thing where everybody works in machines. We're just medical doctors work on a different machine. It's the body. And I was playing football and uh, I hurt my back and I couldn't walk. And we went and saw everybody. I saw orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons, pain specialists, general prac, radiologists. If you had a license to look at people, I saw you. And over the course of about six weeks. And they ended up coming to me at the very end of this thing. And one of the guys said, uh, we've looked at you, we've examined you, and we can find nothing wrong. So you must be lying. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with you. You just don't want to play football anymore. And at the time, I was bench pressing 400 pounds and squatting 600 pounds. And I remember looking at this kid who's 155 pounds, looked like he'd never seen the sun. I said, if I could reach you, I'd break you in half for calling me a liar and a fraud. And he was just shocked that I would I would in any way, you know, be angered by what he said or 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 challenge his his authority and so i called my coach and i was like hey man i can't walk i can't play he said well go see our team chiropractor and this always makes me laugh i remember telling him i need a doctor not a massage he said look man it's free he was just go just go and so my parents literally i'm 250 pounds i'm six feet tall my mom's you know five six you know 110 and but you know they carry me into the doctor's office the chiropractor's office and he puts the x-rays up and he goes oh it's right here and he puts me on my side and adjusts me. And it, to be totally frank, it did not feel awesome. But I was able to get up and hobble out. I went back to practice three days later. And I was like, okay, I figured out what I want to be. And it was, it was more of a, this person looked for something else. He didn't just assume that I was a liar. He looked for something else. And then the idea came to me that, you know, hey, everybody has their own little field, their own little thing. We could all work together and build this up. And that's why I decided I'm going to be, I want to be a Cairo because this is, this is the path that helped me the most as an athlete. And so that's, that's kind of how I got into the chiropractic piece. Um, and 
I understood the help the medical community could provide. So I'm not, I wasn't as chiropractic only from the beginning. And so that kind of helped as we started going through this whole process. Tell me more about what a chiropractor actually does. Um, you know, you write chiropractic is more than back cracking. I know when I go and see my chiropractor, my chiropractor, it's, um, it's very mechanical. It's not a whole body thing. So the, it's more of the philosophy. So, you know, you can have, there's a lot of chiropractors who only adjust and that's all they do. And then we have some that have decided to take on the nutritional aspect of it. Um, I have specialties in neurology, sports medicine, uh, decompression, all sorts of things. What we've decided to do is look at the problem from a holistic viewpoint. And so there's a lot of chiropractors who will adjust for the neurologic aspect and for the, you know, the change in the body function. But then we'll go through and say, look, if you're going to be working out this hard, you need these chemicals in your body. And you need these chemicals out of your body. And so that brings in the nutritional aspect. And so we do a whole lot of, we do a more of a holistic approach and we look at the body more of a single unit and it posed to oftentimes the medical community will look at it as you have kidneys for the nephrologist, you have blood for the hematologist, you have a set of lungs and that's for the pulmonologist, you have a heart that's for the cardiologist and we're never going to talk to each other. And so while that it's good because if you want somebody who's only studied one thing, because you have a problem in one thing, that's great. But the blood, the lungs, the heart, the blood vessels, and the muscles are all radically interconnected. And so if we don't view it that way, oftentimes we're going to miss problems. And so that's the thing I like the most about the chiropractic aspect is that it's, no, we're going to look at the entire holistic piece of the body. We're going to understand that physiology is a thing and that the body can heal itself. And that's the big premise yeah. in chiropractic is that if we put things back where they're supposed to be, the body will heal itself. Our job is to put it back where it's supposed to be, not force it to do all sorts of weird things on the sides. And so that's the philosophy that I really like. And so that's when I tell people, they go, how do you fix everything? I mean, I don't fix anything. I just put the philosophy physiology back where it was designed to be and it fixes itself. That's how things go. Because if you could fix things, we could repair dead tissue. We can't repair dead tissue yet. And so we have to have the body fix itself. And that's, that's the whole, that's why I like the chiropractic philosophy better. This also kind of brings me back to something you mentioned earlier. I want to say gut health, even though you didn't say gut health by itself, that seems to be such an important part of the machine. Yes. The, the, the big piece, and we're, we're talking about this now, we're starting to, starting to come out and people are talking about probiotics and they're talking about, you know, like you said, gut health, gut function, and that's fantastic. The problem that we have to understand is that everything in the body is ruled by the mind, is ruled by the neurology. And so if we don't recognize that stress is the number one problem in the gut, then we're going to be missing the whole boat no matter what. And so what happens when we start to get stress, and stress doesn't have to be, I don't know how to feed my family, I'm not, I don't have the finances to pay my car rent, my car loan, my rent. It can be amazing. You can wake up every day crushing it, have the best family life, the best job, make more money, you know what to do with but if your mind is always spooled up, always thinking about that next thing, it's always on, always active, that counts as stress. And what happens when we're in a stressed out mode, neuro psychologically, neurologically, we shift into what's called a sympathetic state. That sympathetic state uh, is fight flight, and it shuts down all resting, digesting function. So what ends up happening is we decrease hydrochloric acid in the gut, we start to decrease methylation function, we start to decrease probiotic function. And so our bodies are geared to literally run away or fight things, not digest chemicals. And so then when we eat things, we don't get proper digestion. 
And so when we start talking about gut health, if we don't start with how do we deal with balance and eliminate stress, we're never going to get where we want to go. We're just going to spin our wheels taking probiotics and just having them not grow bacterial colonies in the gut. So that's the first piece. And the second piece we always go to is your gut is inflamed when it's not working right. And everyone goes, oh, yes, I recognize that. Well, what do you think takes the inflammation out? The liver and the kidneys. So if your liver and your kidneys are not clean, you can never have a clean gut. And so just like I said, we cannot look at the body as a single thing. We have to look at it as, okay, how does everything working together? And how do we affect change in a global system to get an end result we want? And so that's when we start talking about gut health. That's the thing we got to take a step back and recognize this is a much bigger system than we're, than we're talking about just the intestines or just the stomach. Oh, yeah. And when we talk about stress, you know, it's subjective, you know, sometimes it's not the boulders that get you, it's the pebbles. Uh, exactly. And how we respond to stress. It, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter what somebody else thinks if you're an air traffic controller, or, you know, or if you're just another person with supposedly lower levels of stress, it's all how we perceive it inside. Yeah, I talk about this a lot with parents, because they'll come in, their kids have ADD, they have, they have gut issues, they have all sorts of things. And I go, they're very stressed out. And these parents look at me and they go, what could they possibly be stressed out about? They, you know, if they need new tennis shoes, they have it. They have the brand new iPhone. It's like, they have food. They have, they, they have, I bought them a new car. What could they possibly be stressed out about? And I'm like, you don't understand, man. High school is horrible. Oh, like yeah. they're, 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 they're changing biochemically. So their hormones are all going sideways. You know, all the people in the world that they know are right there. And half of them are mad at them all the time because they have hormonal issues. Like their entire world is chaos. And they're being put through a thing every single day where they're being tested on things they didn't know a week ago. So imagine if you went to work every day and your boss was like, hey, your whole world rides on this next project. By the way, you've never done this before. And so good luck. Like imagine the stress you would have. That's what your kids have. And just like you said, it's very subjective. We look back at, at life when we were in high school and go, oh my gosh, it was so great. Yeah. We didn't have, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the crushing amount of knowledge that these kids today have of what's going on in the world or their opinion of what's going on in the world. So there's a tremendous amount of subjective stress that our kids are under. And if we don't recognize that and start treating the, the stress that's in our kids properly, they're going to be all sorts of kinds of messed up when they're 40 years old. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I have a 16 year old and, you know, I need to lay off a little bit after listening to you. Uh, you, you oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I, work with, we, I work with parents all the time and it is, you know, I have, I have a lot of patients who make millions of dollars a year and they, they are the pillars of their, of their industry. And we'll sit and just be like, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is trying to be a good parent. Mm. And this is one of those things we talk about in the psychological piece. Like, have you done this? Have you done that? Like, you're a good parent. Like you can mix the things together, but sometimes it doesn't come the way you want to. And that's the biggest stress for a lot of the parents is how do we deal with our kids? I'm like, well, maybe I should lay off. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe the pressure you're giving your kids is what's making them better than they were. Our job isn't to be their friends. Our job is to make them the best adults that we can. And that takes pressure. So it's, it, you know, it's very, very difficult. But again, this is why we, we get together in groups and we work on, hey, what works for you? Like you've got a 20 year old, I've got a 15 year old. How did you get from 15 to 20? That communication, that community really helps grow this. And so that's one of those things we, we try mm. to get together. And do. You mentioned hormones. And one of the things that you offer at Chalmers Wellness is treatment, you know, that focuses on a person's hormones. I'd like you to take us, you know, take, walk us through our, 
endocrine system? What's going on? So the I'll walk you through some of the things I see that are irritating. So what happens is that we've we've kept telling men and women that they're equal and the same, and in a lot of ways they are, but then we don't act on that. I have women who come in every single day who have bone density issues. They have osteoporosis, osteopenia. They have muscle wasting, so their muscles are basically decaying. They're they're gaining fat that they never had before. They have no energy. They're not having any good sexual function. And I test their testosterone and I'm like, your testosterone is 10. And they said, well, my doctor said that was normal. I'm like, well, maybe for an osteoporotic, you know, 80 year old woman, but not, no, we're not, we're not going to play that game. And so we push their testosterone back up where it's supposed to be and everything gets better. One of the things that's always irritating is when a woman comes in and they say, yeah, my doctor gave me estrogen. And I said, why? And I said, well, because I'm a woman. And she said, I need more estrogen. And I said, well, okay. Were you having hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, joint pain or headaches? No, those are your symptoms of low estrogen. If you don't have those, you don't need more estrogen. If you, if you do any research on hormone replacement therapy, HRT and cancer, what you find is that all of these cancers came from adding estrogen to people's bodies. So we have to be very, very careful with the estrogens. Now, here's the fun part. We've had women who've come in who have had, you know, vaginal dryness and hot flashes and night sweats and the things we talked about. And they also had low testosterone. So we gave them testosterone and all their issues got better. The reason is because testosterone converts into estrogen. And so oftentimes you can say, look, you need estrogen, you need testosterone, you need these things. I'm going to give you one medication. And that one drug ends up converting into everything they need. And so they get their testosterone needs met, their muscles come back, their sex drive comes back, their sexual function comes back. So they actually have orgasms and they enjoy sex again. And their estrogen comes back because the testosterone converted into estrogen. You didn't need two drugs. And so oftentimes it's all we have to do to get people all the way back where they need to go. Testosterone is, is one of the most important hormones we can have, and it's indirectly proportional to stress. So as your stress comes up, your testosterone comes down every time. And so if you have children, if you have a husband or a wife, if you have these things and you're like, look, I love my life, but I got a lot going on get your testosterone checked because everyone talks about, well, testosterone is good for muscles and it is, but your heart and your blood vessels are all muscle. Your heart is entirely a muscle and your blood vessel, the middle of your blood vessel is a, is a muscle. And so what happens if you've heard of a DVT, that muscle gets weakened over time and it collapses. The blood vessel collapses, the blood slows down clots. And then as you get up and move around, the blood vessel comes back open and that clot goes to your heart, your brain, and you die. This is why people, they talk about old people on airplanes need to get up and move around a bunch so they don't have DVTs. If their testosterone was higher and the tone of the muscle and the blood vessels was higher, we wouldn't have as many DVTs. So there is a lot of quality of life. But there's also a lot of, it can prevent issues down the road if our hormones, specifically testosterone in this case, is where it's supposed to be. So that's, that's the big piece. That's why we always check that. Well, I've heard of phytoestrogens, but is there any way to increase testosterone through diet? Unfortunately, there's not, there's not a real way because the mind is so much more powerful than anything else that you give it. The, as the stress goes up, your body will just literally shut off your body's ability to produce adequate levels of testosterone. And there's something about the body that if it doesn't make it for a while, it'll just not make it ever again. So if you've had periods of high stress for five, six, seven, 10 years, and then your stress calms way down, that doesn't always equate to your testosterone coming back up where it's supposed to be. So We've tried 
everything in the world to get the hormones to come back where we need them to. And there's been nothing that we've been able to ascertain that can actually really and truly do that. Now, you have a lot of nutritional things that can help children who are still growing because if they're low on selenium, if they're going low on a lot of nutrients, we can bring those nutrients back in and the body can then create the testosterone out of the materials that we've given it. But as you get older, sometimes that gets, that, that oftentimes gets almost impossible. Do you think everybody should get tested for their hormone levels? Uh, yes. And the reason I say that is because it's my, it's my personal philosophy. Um, when I do concierge work, uh, it's all cash. And we do all the studies and all the tests that people should be having done, but aren't. Uh, and hormones are obviously one of them. Uh, my philosophy is you don't know you do or you don't have a problem until you get tested. And it's funny because we started doing echocardiograms in my office because I'm worried about a variety of complications from COVID. And I tested my children, my seven-year-old, my nine-year-old. And I had no reason to think there's going to be an issue. But the amount of just stress relief and the feeling of, okay, I'm super happy. When I got the results back and they were totally fine, I got a stress relief. I didn't know I had stress over, which is very, very odd for me. And the idea of when my patients come in, I have this giant amount of information that comes back that I know, look, you have no plaque in your arteries from your calcium CT. You are breathing at night because your sleep study says you're good. You have low inflammation in your blood vessels. So your chances of heart attack, stroke, and, and cancer are much lower. When your levels are good, we know that you're healthy, but we don't really know that until we test. And so getting tested, if, you, if, you're, if you're good, great. If you're not, now you know, and now you can choose to do something about it or not. And that's, that's the big piece. Besides testosterone, are there any under the radar hormones that people aren't really aware of? Yeah, there's so the two that are probably the biggest that are really started to come to light in the past five, 10 years are ghrelin and uh, leptin. So the appetite. Uh, yes. Hormone. Yes. So ghrelin is the hunger hormone and it helps you to get hungry and eat. Leptin is the satiety or, Hey, I'm good. I don't need to eat anymore. Leptin is actually produced by fat cells. And so the idea was that as we started gaining fat, we would produce more hormone that said, Hey, you know what? We don't need to eat so much. We're good. You can stop for some reason that doesn't work the way it's supposed to. in so many people, I personally think that's because of the processing we do with our food and the stress that we have. So those two things are shutting down the function of leptin. But ghrelin's still working just fine. <laughs> and so people are eating all the time. Now, ghrelin has other positive aspects to it. You know, it helps with gluconeogenesis. So for those of us who are fasting or on keto, that's very important. Um, and it also helps with osteoblastic deposition. So those little cells that create more bone that live in the bone, ghrelin is showing that it helps to create those. So ghrelin does have some more beneficial things than just, hey, you should probably go have some to eat. Dr. Chalmers, um, I, I looked at your Facebook feed for Chalmers Wellness. It was fascinating. And you've got so much stuff on there and so many neat videos. And the question that popped into my mind is, uh, how do you start your day? And how would you recommend folks start their day? So I, I, the first part's easy. Um, I wake up at 4 a.m. And I do about two, two and a half hours of research every day. And I've done this for well over 10 years uh, because I, I need to know that the information that, that any patient who walks my door, whether they have celiac or chronic fatigue or 
long haul COVID or no matter what it is, I can fix it. And so I can, I've done the research. I personally know everything that's coming in the door I can fix. And so that's been my issue for the past 10, 15 years. Um, I don't think everybody else should start their day at 4 a.m. reading medical research, but um, it's, that's, that's how it's helped me. Um, what the big thing is, is that we have to make sure that we get adequate sleep. And so what I always tell people is we plan for tomorrow today. And so if you want to wake up at 4 a.m., but you still want to get six hours of sleep, that means you need to be in bed at 930 so you can be asleep by 10 so that you can get your six hours. And so that's how that piece starts. Once you're awake and you can run through your whole day, however you see fit. My big piece on when we talk about stress is if we can wake up without an alarm clock, then we, we don't start our day in a stressed out position. Now, if you have to wake up to an alarm, which most of us do, that's fine. Factor in about 10, 15 more minutes. And take some time to meditate, pray, relax, and calm back down. Because if you wake up to an alarm and then you roll out of bed and you're like, oh, I got to get the kids ready. I got this thing. I got this meeting today. I got your stress level just keeps going up. And for a lot of people, that's how their day starts. And they go through the entire day, their 6, 10, 12 hour workday. And then they come home and they just collapse. So what I do and what I recommend is that if in the middle of your day, say between 11 and 2, if you can get home and work out or you can go to the gym and work out. What that does neurologically is that that kinetic motion actually shuts down a lot of the pieces of your brain that control stress, specifically the limbic system and the temporal lobe, which is where fear, hate, anger, terror live. So if we can work out in the middle of the day, crashes that stress back down, then we can eat because now you're back in that parasympathetic state. You digest and absorb much better. And then you go back into your, your fire of your stress world and it comes back up. And then when you come home, there's some things that we do. So for instance, I always tell my married couples, I'm like, look, this isn't a one person better than the other thing. Like, this is how the brain works. When he comes home, acknowledge his presence and then don't say anything else to him for 20 or 30 minutes. Let him just kind of shift because he's got to close those boxes. If you've heard the example, men's brains are like waffles. We got to close the work boxes and open up the family I'm home boxes. It takes about 20 or 30 minutes to shift over. Now, once the man's had his time for 20 or 30 minutes to shift his brain around, his job is now sit down with his wife or girlfriend or the female in the family and say, okay, how was your day? And then say nothing at all until she's done talking. If it's 10 minutes or 30 minutes, sit there and say, uh-huh, uh-huh. And remember, there will be a quiz later. So try to pay attention. That, uh, that's, that's because that's the way the two brains work. Women have to just basically word vomit everything from the day off of them to expel it out of their body so it doesn't create secondary stress. So that's the big piece I always tell people, look, if you'll do these things, life will be a little bit easier. A lot of great stuff you're sharing with uh, my listeners today. Dr. Chalmers, thanks so much for talking to me. Absolutely. Anytime. I spoke to Dr. Matt Chalmers, a chiropractor and the author of Pillars of Wellness, Achieve and Uphold Holistic Health, Vitality and Longevity. Learn more about his work at chalmerswellness.com. Thanks for listening to Mind, Body, and Beyond. Check out my other episodes at mindbodybeyond.co and be sure to subscribe. Subscribe.